Welcome, everybody. It is episode 15 of the Fantasy Alarm Hockey Podcast. I am Andrew Dewhurst. As always, I'm joined by my esteemed colleague, Chris Murray. How are you doing tonight, Chris? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, man. Glad to be here. All right. We had uh, an exciting week of hockey uh, as the fantasy regular season starts to come to a close. I know I've got one uh, one league that's heading into playoffs next week. Um, so touching on the big things happened this week, uh, Mika Zibinijad appears to have finally shown up to play. He's back. Uh, I know he, he's played in every game this year, but he's finally actually playing in games now. Um, have you? I don't know if you caught any of uh, the Rangers games this week, but uh, the OT goal or the the game winner that uh, Zibanejad scored yesterday was impressive. Then blocked a shot late in that game as well. So uh, finally, things are starting to look up for him. He's starting to play worth his price on DraftKings. Yeah, if you were thinking about maybe trading Zibanejad or trying to buy him on the down low, um, that's not going to happen anymore. That's kind of gone out the window here. And all it took was a, I mean, a game against the Philadelphia Flyers to get that settled, and uh, everything has been good. I mean, I think for Zibanejad here as well, right? It's he's he's kind of started to turn the pace here a little bit more. And it comes with the amount of ice time that he's playing as well, right? So even in Saturday's game, right, he played close to almost close to 22 minutes, right? He had you know, goal and assist there. Uh, night before that, right, again against Washington, he was three seconds shy of 23 minutes, right? That's a yeah. huge, like, think about it. Put, put this in perspective, right? Like some defensemen don't play 23 minutes a night, and there are only six of them, right, as opposed yeah. to 12 forwards here. Uh, and then obviously the game against Philadelphia where he had six points. He only played 18, but honestly, I mean, that's fine, right? He did all his damage. Go home. But again, game before that, 23 24.48, 22-19, 20-03. Like he is consistently seeing a boatload of ice time. And I think the return of Artemi Panarin definitely helps this team a lot. It gives the Rangers another dimension to work with and Panarin is a very good player we know this but it also allows you know other players to kind of facilitate around there Chris Kreider Pavel Buchnevich it, it, it kind of it, it frees up everybody by having Panarin in the lineup and it allows you know the kids specifically Lafreniere and Kako to to kind of sit into those secondary roles right because it, it hasn't been uh, all that great for those two offensively, but that's fine. You're not counting on them right now to be those. You can let them grow into those positions. Give them some of the easier matchups, right? You don't have to pair them with the big boys right now. Just let them kind of figure it out. So I think that Zibinijad can at least try to finish on a strong. I don't think he's going to hit the value of where you drafted him though, that's kind of that, that boat sailed. It's yeah, it's gone now that there's, you can't get on it anymore. That was, yeah, it's not going to happen. So at the, all he can do, like you said, fantasy hockey playoffs are coming slowly, but surely. And if he can keep up this, I, I'm not expecting him to put up six points in a game ever again here, but I, if he can keep up this type of ice time and this type of consistency as well, I think it can be dominant down the stretch. Yeah. And I mean, He's an interesting player, right? Like, uh, it looks like his hits have come back this year. They kind of dissipated last year. 
but probably because he was scoring so many goals that it was like, yeah, I don't really need to be as physical out there. Uh, this year, it looks like, I mean, even in his lower times this year, he's still kind of uh, been more physical. And I think that's probably in compensation. Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously it's, the thing to not lose track of or to not overlook here is, I mean, it's three multi-point games in his last five, um, you know, two two-point games, the six, the magical six-point game. Again, that one's has noted not coming back. Um, and the shots have picked up four, three, four. Um, he wins face-offs. He does, like, he's a really good secondary player, right? Like, he's not... The 41 goals isn't isn't realistic, but I mean, he's now back closer on pace to being probably this year if we were playing 82 games. He would probably, uh, he'd probably push 25, maybe maybe get a little bit over that right now. So, that, I mean, that's that's not a bad thing. So, uh, it, I guess we need to be careful to, in some ways, temper expectations. He was going way too high in drafts. Uh, I think he I've seen him going in as like a top two round player. Uh, which for me really meant you were buying 30 plus, uh, which was probably a little high given you had, you know, players with much better track record going in in that same place. So I just uh, think everybody was kind of sold on, right? So, like, you saw what he did with Panera and you saw what Ryan Strom did as well. We know what Chris Kreider can do. Like, their top yeah. six is really good. And then you yeah. add. Right, you added Lafreniere in the draft here as well. Are one of the better players? So, yep. like the hype, I guess was was definitely there because there were Ranger players going left, right, and center early. Right, Igor Shosturkin. Let's not forget him. I mean, we don't even talk about Tony D'Angelo anymore, right? Well, he is dead to us. I mean, yeah, fantasy wise, I mean, who you know who you know phone who it is. But like we were talking, like Adam Fox as well, Ryan Lindgren. There were lots. There were lots of players to target on this team. They were they were going early. Just the expectation was that they were just going to be above and beyond any other team in this division, and that has certainly not been the case here. They have been they've been good, but as of today, right, they sit behind the Philadelphia Flyers, right, in the standings and. The Flyers have an extra game in hand, and Buffalo, who current, uh, sorry, not Buffalo, Boston, who currently holds the four spot, well, they have two games in hand on the Rangers as well. So it's again, the the Rangers are, you know, who they are, but they're not to where we thought they were going to be. Yeah, and I mean, we shouldn't. No one should have expected this team to be like at best they would push for the number four spot. Right. I mean, I think Pittsburgh has performed better than I expected. Boston has maybe underperformed a little bit. Philly is definitely underperformed. But like the Rangers are going to be a fun team to watch. I mean, I think they've been a little unlucky uh, when you look at I mean, they're a plus 10 goal differential, which means I mean, they've probably they've lost some close games. I've been a little like that's where the luck factor typically comes in. When you look at Philadelphia's a minus 12, they're three points ahead with a game in hand. New Jersey's minus 19, and they're four points less, like four points down with a game in hand. So um, I, I think if the Rangers were in a different division, I, I would give them a chance. Um, but 
just as this is currently constituted, I mean, the Rangers are going to be fun to watch. I don't think they're ultimately going to be a playoff team. Um, but that that's fine, right? That's that's still good for fantasy, right? They're going to come out, score four or five a game, and, you know, we're going to stack those guys up, and we're going to make some money because people are going to start looking the other way, and, oh, the Rangers suck, the Rangers aren't winning, whatever it might be, right? Because even in this stretch, they're still only 5-4-1. and one. Um think Sturkin's probably back sometime this week but that's not making like a tangible difference right like they're not catching Boston well I mean it's not Keith Kincaid is going to give them an upper hand there if anything right <laughs> right I saw I saw him when I saw him starting um I was like okay what's like what's going on like let me keep up to date with the Rangers here right I, I don't check in with the Rangers very often I check in on teams that I need to but I don't have a ton of uh ranger players on any of my fantasy teams so i just you know they're there i see them i'm like oh cool what's going on with the new york rangers and then i move on kind of thing so when i saw keith kincaid was there and then he 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 had that one really good game and then people were like oh keith kincaid's not that bad and i was like hold on a minute okay he's played in a habs uniform so i've seen him and i know what's going on here like temper yourself here for a moment i i will say this i did not have boston making the playoffs at the beginning of the season and I stick to that still. I know they've right they've been tops in their division here, but they've slipped a little bit here. And that's that's fine. They have games in hand. So the, the, here's the thing that people always say, oh yeah, but they have games in hand. Fine, but now you gotta win them. That's the thing that you gotta do. You have to win those games. Mm-hmm. And I mean I, like the Washington Capitals have been really, really good, and they've been without their top goalie, I guess, for the you know half the season, and they've had to deal with COVID. The New York Islanders are on a whole other platform; it doesn't really make a difference, even without Anders Lee for the rest of the season. Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins are starting to figure it out here. They played a lot better here. They got off to a slow start. Tristan Jarry starting to you know play a lot better. I think Casey DeSmith balancing that out as well. And those three teams are just. Like, they're lights out at home there. The Capitals are even better because they win at home and on the road. This team yeah. is just, like, they look built to win. And then, I guess that fourth spot, like, to me, it would have gone to either the to the Flyers or the Rangers because Boston just didn't, they didn't get better in, in the offseason. If anything, they stayed the same or got worse. And when you look at now some of the injuries that they have to deal with, when you look at like how heavy, right? But they're a top line heavy team here, right? They, they they rely on their top line to do a lot of damage. Their secondary scoring comes in here and there. I'm not I, it, for this to play out down the road with the number of games that they have to win. Like Boston is a defense first kind of team, and you see that they've given up 66 goals in a division that is supposed to be littered with them, but they've only scored 77. Right? That's six less than the New Jersey Devils have. And the Devils, well, they don't have any offense to count on here. So I'm not 100% sold on Boston still making it here. And I think that if if there's one team that's going to challenge Boston for that fourth spot, in my mind, it's the Rangers. And I know they start six points back here, but they're going to get their star goalie back. They they get Panarin back. This is a team loaded with a lot of offensive power. If they can, you know— play kind of the Edmonton Oilers style of game, which is, hey, maybe we give up four, but we're going to score five. You're right. It's not games that coaches are going to like, but I'm going to be excited when I watch them play. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing you got to keep in mind with Boston here is they've got money to spend, so they're going to be able to be a player at trade deadline if they want to be, and I assume they want to be because, I mean, 
Patrice Bergeron isn't going to be this good forever. Uh, Brad Marchand is not going to be this good forever. Um, so it's, you know, they need to go out and do something, uh, a couple of somethings. They need, they really need like another defenseman as well. Like they need a top six forward. They need a top four defenseman. Um, it looks like they've got like a little bit more than 3 million in cap space. So they can probably go out and do something without too much trouble. Uh, so I look for Boston to probably be a big player. I'm sure they'll just sell off draft, pick, draft picks and, you know, go from there because there's probably not that that much out uh, sitting around as far as, uh, you know, prospects go to sell. Uh, so, I mean, and if you keep in mind games in hand, and you're right, they got to win them. But if they did win them, they would be in first place, right? Sure. Just straight up in the standings, right? They've got four games in hand of the Islanders. They are six game points back. They hit 44 as well, right? Or, sorry, Four. eight points back. So they would and, they would theoretically be tied with the Islanders at that point. Correct. Um, and, and theoretically, they should be able to do something, right? So their next game has been postponed. We know that on Tuesday. Right. Yeah. Uh, Thursday, they play the Islanders. That's a tough one there. But after that, I mean, they got Buffalo and New Jersey on the weekend. So yeah, you know, and those are those are in the bag, but you still got to win them, right? Right. I mean, Pittsburgh lost to lost New Jersey today. New Jersey's a pretty good team on the road, oddly enough, like seven, three and two on the road, four and 11 and two at home. So, yeah, those certainly aren't gimmies, but good teams got to beat bad teams. That's typically what makes them good teams. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what we've got going on there. Um. It looks like the Avalanche are starting to figure things out. Uh, their top line appears to have completely returned to form. We've got eight points in four games from McKinnon, Rantanen, and Landeskog. Uh, I feel like this was right on the heels of... Uh, I feel like I've been like anticipating this like big week from McKinnon for... like. Oh, Didn't we talk about it last week? I think we did, we yeah. trade McKinnon for? Yes, yeah, And right. then all of a sudden... I mean, I guess... Right. Nathan McKinnon heard it, right? Probably yeah, listened to the pod and said, you know what? I took that personally. And then right. he said, well, you know, here, I'm just going to go out and absolutely dominate uh, any he has, right? Yeah. I mean, he did. did you know, yeah. He dropped into my DMs and said, screw you. I'm way better than this. 100%. And he's done it as well. Like, we talk about Zabinijad playing a bunch of ice time. Like, Nathan McKinnon doesn't play nowhere near. Uh, 20 minutes, right? So since coming back on March 10th, right? Mar- I mean, he played almost 25 minutes in that game, but that's just like that's just something else that happens there. Outside of that game, he's played over 20 minutes just once. That was on the 16th against Anaheim in their 8-4 win. But I mean, again, we look at McKinnon and we're like, man, this guy should be tearing it up in goals. But like, he's a facilitator as well, and he plays on a lot. Like he plays with Miko Rantanen, you know, consistently, right? I love. Yeah playing Miko Rantanen in NHL DFS. I specifically love playing him on Superdraft because they refuse to change his multiplier. He's a 1.6 multiplier every single day. So I just plug him into my lineup. Usually the same thing with Mitch Marner is a one point. I, I just start there and I say, okay, well, you know, bite this chalk and that's it. But Miko Rantanen's been, again, consistent. He's got 17 goals on the season, right? He's also got 18 assists. He's not bad. He's hit the 100-shot plateau as well. He's a candidate every game 
to get really close to the five-shot bonus on DraftKings, which is something I'm targeting with with Randon. So yeah. I need McKinnon to pass him the puck if I want him, if I want to get Miko Rantanen to take to get those shot those shot bonuses. Because let's face it, he's not throwing his weight around, he's not blocking shots. But I don't want him to do that. I want him to shoot the puck and rack up points. And on most nights, he's he doing. does that, yeah. right? And this line is starting to put it together here. And their secondary scoring has gotten a lot better as well, right? Not some cadre in the bunch. You know, they're they're getting a lot better. Burakovsky's there. Brendan Sod's doing work as well. This is a really good lineup. When you get Kale McCarr back as well, that probably helps. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, that right now they, they've won, what, six in a row here? One, two, three, six in a row. And they've beaten some pretty good teams, right? Um, well, maybe let's explain Anaheim. Yes, but, I mean, they look at, like, Minnesota's a team that, A, they've been scoring goals all season, right? They've been really good defensively as well. And, I mean, Colorado just walks in, scores 11 goals in two games, gives up only one, and says, hey, thanks for coming. Yeah. You know? Like, I, I, wasn't, yeah. I wasn't expecting that to happen either there. I, I don't think anybody was. I thought it would be a close game, but not 5-1 and 6-0. Yeah, it was kind of like, hey, Minnesota, I hope you enjoyed first place. We'll take that back now. <laughs> uh, it, they've pushed here, right? Colorado's won. Yeah, they've won six in a row here. They've improved at home, as always. And th- th- that's, to me, this this division, the West division, or the Honda West, if you want to get the plug in. I mean, it's <laughs> it's kind of settled. There's nothing outside of that. I think maybe if St. Louis stumbles a little bit here and there, maybe Los Angeles can make a push. But that's it, right? Like Vegas, Colorado, Minnesota, and St. Louis. I mean, I'm looking at it now. The Kings are five points out of the last playoff spot, and it's the LA Kings, right? So, I mean, Arizona's been absolutely terrible. San Jose, no, no, no need to figure that out here. Um, And the Anaheim Ducks are just the Anaheim Ducks. So, None of those teams are really going to challenge. And again, the LA Kings are a good team, but they're not they're not great. In in any other division, they are a bottom tier team. Yeah. Yeah. Safe to say. Um yeah, for sure. I mean, one of my favorite stacks, and this is one that always seems to get missed by people, is that everyone goes like flat McKinnon. And then they kind of like, oh, he's too much money. I have to go spend my money somewhere else. Um, but you almost always get a huge advantage by taking McKinnon and Rantanen because Rantanen is often like 20 to 40% less owned depending on how chalky the matchup is. So like, uh, which is, which is wild when you think of it, because McKinnon doesn't generate a ton of shots here. He has uh, has McKinnon generates a lot of shots. He had over 300 last year in like 67 games. Right. Right, hands hands down on that side. He he is supposed to be generating a right. ton of shots here. But when I look at him, right, since coming back again from injury, he's had two games where he's where he's hit the shot bonus. And one of those games was ten shots, which I'm just saying, okay, well he just he had a lot of energy, just fired everything that he's got a hundred and four on the season, which is again, it's still pretty good, but it's not the consistent volume that you're used to seeing from McKinnon, right? It's it's not what it is, and, and I think that's not because he can't do it, but I think he's doing a much better job of facilitating that puck to his teammates. And I honestly think that is because 
if somebody on that line's got to shoot the puck, it's not Landis right. Cog. His job right. is to be the guy, you know, he's a little bit tougher in the corners, bigger body as well. Not as, yeah. yeah, his job is to balance out that line. McKinnon's, you know, great with the puck, great skater. Randon's got an absolute dynamite of a shot, right? The one that he scored against Minnesota, just, I mean, he just put it where it needed to be. It went by the, I mean, I think it was kind of started just by his ear and there was no chance you, you were going to stop that. So, a lot of times, you're right, I see that, the, you know, the high ownership for McKinnon, and then Miko Rantanen just kind of gets forgotten. And I'm, for me, a lot of times, I'll do the opposite. I'll just play Miko Rantanen and say, okay, well, you know, he's given the puck to McKinnon. McKinnon's given him the puck at this point. Yeah. And I want to target players who score goals. McKinnon's not scoring as many goals, right? So I want to target the player who does, right? Because DFS is about scoring goals. How many, right? That they're, they're worth more. So I try yeah. to put an emphasis... And when I can when I can get ownership as well, get that two for one, I'm going with Miko Ren and ninety-five out of hundred times. Yeah, for sure. I mean especially in that case, right? Because of the shots and that I mean uh, I mean I, I look at McKinnon or Renton is at like three point four shots a game. Uh that's tough to look past when you're you know getting a five a bonus at five shots. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's kind of silly, right? Like, why not? You see the same thing kind of, uh, you see the opposite, like you kind of see it happen with Toronto as well. Uh, if you stack Matthews and Marner, you'll see Marner at like 20% less than, than Matthews, but like the points overall say that it shouldn't necessarily be like that. Um, I mean, obviously Matthew scores more goals and that's the reason he's, he's a better chance to give you like the you know, to give you the shot bonus, but um, points are points, right? Like anytime you can hit three, you're in a good place. Yeah. So like uh, when in doubt, take them both um, and, you know, and roll from there, right? Like you don't have to overthink it. Like if you look at the matchup and you're like, oh, Colorado's got, got San Jose tonight, just take them both, right? Um, so yeah, so it looks like they've got things going. Um, Speaking of Austin Matthews, before we change here, so go back to that to our conversation we had last sure. week. Then, are you trading Austin Matthews one for one for for McKinnon today? Um, I I'm thinking about it. <laughs> you having at a, a, a lot deeper thought at least? Well, this my I mean I still have concerns about about Matthews' wrist injury. Correct. Because he has, um, what, three goals in March since coming back from injury? Yeah, he's got three goals. He's just not shooting the puck as much, and I think that's a product of the wrist injury. And I I mean, the coaching staff... He um, hasn't been, like, he hasn't been shooting the puck of late. In, in the last four games, he's got ten shots, which is, like, that's... That's, that's right. not enough. That's right. not enough from him. He's, uh, his ice time is there because, I mean, he plays all the time, but he's not anywhere near the level that at least I don't think he's at the level that he should be. And it's probably like you said, because of that wrist might not be a hundred percent healed. And the, I don't know if you've heard Andrew, but the Toronto Maple Leafs are struggling. I don't know if, you know, you can find <laughs> that information anywhere here, but I mean, they, he's come back here. Um, the Leafs were okay without him, but since coming back to the lineup here, uh, early start of March here. They've won one, two, three, four games in March. 
and yeah, they've lost six in their a last bunch. Game. They've lost they they lost two to Vancouver. They lost two out of three to Winnipeg. They lost to the Ottawa Senators, which is something. And then they split here um, with Calgary. So and it doesn't get easier for them, right? They get the Ottawa Senators uh, so later on in the week here, back to back with Edmonton, and then to finish off March, they get Winnipeg. So yeah, I mean. Ottawa has given Toronto trouble. I think Ottawa's beat Toronto already like twice, maybe even three Ottawa times gives everybody year. trouble except Connor McDavid. <laughs> uh, so I mean, I don't understand what they're doing, right? Like we know there's a wrist problem. They've talked about the wrist problem. I think Sheldon Keith said before their last game, you know, because I think Toronto had five games off for five days off. How much better he felt. But then, but we're not seeing it on the ice, which probably means it's still a problem. So I, I don't know why they're not just being like, hey, you know what? If we don't win the division, that's going to be okay. Right? Like, if Winnipeg wins the division or Edmonton wins the division, that's fine. Because winning the division doesn't matter. Winning in the playoffs matter. And we're not winning in the playoffs without a healthy Austin Matthews. So... Yeah, just continuously playing him just seems silly. Like you're just waiting for a danger to get worse and and or, you know, potentially creating some like longer term damage. So like I don't I don't know what they're doing here. But I mean the schedule does favor them. They do have another four games off um before they get to Ottawa on Thursday. So, and then it's, yeah, as noted, you get back-to-back at home against Edmonton, you go to Winnipeg. So, so, so basically you'll think about trading Matthews for McKinnon. And today, by this time next week, yeah. that deal's already in the, in the if, processor and we're done. If I had to do it right now, I'd, I probably would. You if probably I was like, would. look, okay. got to decide by the end of tonight, I, I'm giving you straight up McKinnon for, for Matthews. I would probably be like, yeah, I'll take it. Okay. Just, yeah. Uh, yeah, put the gun to my head. That's that's what the decision is going to be. All right. Good to know. Uh, but yeah, uh, moving forward, uh, we've got some big injuries that have crept in. We know that uh, Malkin's out for the rest of the year. Uh, that's going to hurt some teams heading into the playoffs. Uh, not that Malkin has been fantastic this year, but he's a player that gets streaky. And when he is streaky, he is really good. Um, and Max Pacioretty, uh, personally is trying to derail all of my playoff teams, all of my fantasy hockey teams, as I own him in every, with every team that I have, uh, he was out tonight. Um, I hate Vegas and how Pete DeBoer gives out injury information or any amount of information. So I assume Max Pacioretty is going to be day to day for the next like three to four months. <laughs> Minimum. Minimum there is is Evgeny Malkin confirmed to miss the rest of the season. I always week to week. Uh, I think I had seen six weeks. Six weeks. That sounds. I mean, look, Malkin was relatively healthy this season, right? Correct. He didn't miss any. Yeah. Yeah. Hadn't missed so. So I mean, it was coming at some point, right? We know this. Uh, I've been a big fan of Evgeny Malkin for many years now in fantasy hockey. People are always like, "Oh, he's he's injury prone." I'm like, "Well, I mean, he's." He's a player who gets hurt more than other players, right? I don't like using the term injury prone. I just think some players are just 
you know, they're, they're built differently. And, you know, Gino's a big boy. He's not afraid yeah. to go out and, you know, throw his weight around and mix it up and do stuff. So it's not uncommon. But like you said, it's been it's been a more difficult season for Malkin, I would say that. And, I mean, it started with the absolutely dreadful starts of the season that the Penguins had here. But uh, he is here. Uh, I know he was week to week. So when I updated the injury report over the fancy alarm, I – Knew he was week to week, and I said, okay, well, you know, what does week to week really mean, right? Check in every Monday, or, like, are we going to find out more? Um, if it's more towards the six-week side, then you can basically just, you know, you drop him and, you know, move on to something else. And, I mean, you, you won't find a replacement for him on the waiver wire, but it's you might be closer than what you originally thought if you were drafting him on draft day, because, again, it's been a tough season for Gino and the rest of the boys. So, that's definitely a, a hard one. For Pacioretty, it's, like you said, it, it, I mean, it's hard to get news, right? It's hard to find out what's wrong with players. We just know they're hurt. That's all we know. And it's it's it's, it's the worst. Quite, yeah, it, it's it's I, really the worst. It's There's really no need for the NHL to do this. Like, I don't understand the, like, lower body injury, upper body injury. Like, just just say what it is. Like, like or every other sport, give a time frame something. that's a little bit closer to whatever. Like day to day means what? Like let's check in every morning and you know see how he's doing. Like I don't. It's tough. It, it makes doing a lot of things hard, especially if you're in weekly leagues, because now you don't know. You know, well, is he coming back on Tuesday? Or you know, what, no, St. Louis. They they play on Monday, right? They play in St. Louis on Monday. So is, is he back Monday where you can start him? Or you know, is he out of the lineup? You know. For the rest of the week there that's that's definitely the problem and when you're losing a player like patch ready who a can score goals b can fire a whole bunch of shots a you're not replacing it with somebody you're just like you're scrambling to the waiver wire trying to put together you know pieces of something that will uh facilitate and then you want to see how does that affect mark stone because stone is the complementary player in my mind on that line chandler stephenson's just there to take face-offs and move the puck around but I mean, Pacioretty's the shooter, and Mark Stone is, you know, making a very good season out of, you know, giving Pacioretty the puck and racking up points and stuff. He doesn't take as many shots. Do we see maybe Mark Stone starts to take a little bit more? And, again, you're not replacing Max Pacioretty. You're just yeah. hoping he comes back and that it's sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, I mean, Alex Tuck's taken over the spot in the top line. Um I would add him if you can. He's Tuck has scored quite quite regularly this year, especially for a third line player. He's a player who's better than his third line role. Like on probably on just about any other team, he'd be a top six forward. Uh, on Vegas, he isn't that fortunate. Um, and honestly, Stone like Stone is really interesting because of like his real strength is takeaways. He's not the greatest skater he's not the greatest shooter um but he is really good at taking the puck away he's so he's definitely he not creates, the greatest shooter because he's yeah. got 48 shots on the season this right. this, this man shoot. doesn't put the puck anywhere near the net yeah. um <laughs> but he does everything else well right like right you said. yeah i mean you you can't you you can't knock the rest of the game right i mean sorry when i say the rest of the game like he, he's a good passer he takes the puck away I mean, he's got uh, he's got 31 takeaways in 27 games, um, which is like m- more than his blocks and hits combined. Yeah, 
and almost, and honestly not that far away from his shots, which which is at 48. But he has scored on 20, almost 21% of those shots, which means so he's even... So at least he's making the goals. Right. Even his 10 goals is a little inflated if you're uh, somebody who's just looking at goals, assists, and points and going like, what do you mean? He's got 10 goals. He's good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think Tuck is a player that's worth targeting this week. Um, just because he's going to have that top spot. We have no idea how long Pacioretty's out for. So I would go back and get it. Tuck's got 13 goals this year in 27 he was, games. He was already in my waiver wire piece at the beginning of the week. Yeah. He was missing some, or, or maybe the week before when Stone was out. But he was definitely one of those players that, I mean, somebody should have been targeting in, in, in any league per se. He's, I mean, he's he's good. Right, he's 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 a good goalie, and oh, I'm sorry, go goalie. He, he's a good winger, and he, like you said, he plays above his his position, right? So there's there's no real reason why Alex Tuck. First of all, there was no reason for Alex Tuck not to be on your fantasy team, especially in deeper formats. But even in like twelve team leagues, right, which is usually where I cut off the cutoff, right? Fourteen is pretty deep. Twelve is just you know, standard, and then you have your eight, your ten team leagues that are shallow. But I, for a twelve team league, like he, he most definitely should be there. Hundred percent. Yeah, I saw he got uh, eighteen minutes tonight. Eighteen forty one. We called nineteen. Uh, didn't get all the power play time. I'm just trying to see who did get get that power play time because that's probably worth probably worth Cody Glass. Out. That's probably who, who they would slot it in there. Uh, let's take a quick look here. Yeah, it was. They used Carlson, Stone, Glass, Theodore, and Marcia So in the top power play, um, which isn't all that exciting. Um, their power play confuses me at times. I don't not always understand the love for Cody Glass. I mean, their power play has struggled as well, so you can put two and two together there. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, I think that's a place to look. Uh, I am. I just dug in a little bit more on the Malkin. I mean, Mike Sullivan is saying there's a strong possibility that Malkin will return during the regular season. I don't take think what for, coaches say. say cool. Take that for what it's worth. Because uh, there's nothing. Yeah. So, I, I, right now, if I'm heading into the playoffs, I'm if I've got the IR spot, I'm using it. But otherwise. Uh, I'm, it's a drop for me in, in a playoff situation. Like you need every, you need those roster spots. You need players that are playing. So um, keep that in mind. Uh, and the last of the topics from last week, um, we don't talk about women's hockey much, but uh, or at all. This is the first time. Uh, shout out to the ladies. Um, Northeastern plays. Uh, this is NCAA women's hockey. Uh, their championship game went uh, earlier this weekend. Northeastern, the number one seed, took on Wisconsin, the number two seed. And uh, the poor ladies at Northeastern lost in overtime in the worst possible fashion. Um, coming out, uh, Wisconsin player goes, just throws the puck out from behind the net, goes off goes off a Northeastern skater and in, into the net. Um and uh, we talked about this a little bit off the air. Uh, I can't think of too many worse ways to lose. Um, 
I mean, it definitely rings back to Mark Andre Fleury in the World Junior Championships. Jeez, I guess that would be 15 years ago, uh, where he sh- goes to clear the puck off an American player, goes into his own net. Um, any others that you can think of? I mean, I'd, like it's really terrible to see a, a national championship game decided that way. Uh, although you could I, I argue, think of you could argue it's else. probably better than a shootout loss. I mean, anything's better than a shootout loss, right? <laughs> they should just be playing. At that point, when you're in those types of games, you should just be playing, you know, you should just play until somebody scores. So uh, it doesn't make a difference there. But no, that's definitely a tough way for them to to lose there. It's, I mean, it's just, it's deflating, right? You, you do all that, you get there, and then it's like, it's a it's a fluke play, right? That's what yeah. a lot of, right, you tell me, well, it's not something you did wrong. You're in a position, it's just something that, you know, happens. And there's nothing you can do to control it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, if you haven't seen it, uh, you can feel free to go ahead and look for it. Uh, if you look for Wisconsin, ba- Wisconsin Badgers uh, women's hockey, I'm sure it won't, it's not going to be too far down the list. Uh, taking a look at team performance over the last over the last week here, uh, top five goals for anyone stand out? We got Colorado, Edmonton, Tampa, Washington, and Florida. Uh, not too similar, too different from from last week's list. Obviously, we talked about Colorado. Um, we everyone knows about Edmonton. Tampa is getting starting to really score a lot more. Uh, I think. Uh, Ovechkin has now scored in seven straight, something like that, for the Capitals. And uh, starting to pick up the pace, Ovechkin, right? He was a little bit off to a not slow start, but not Ovechkin like start. And uh, he's uh, he's starting to he's starting to pick it up here, right? He didn't score on Saturday, but prior to that, he went. Well, I mean, he went five games in a row with a goal, including one two goal performance against the Rangers. Uh, he he's starting to pick it up. I don't. I mean, he's he's one of those players that sometimes like I expect him to have a lot of shots. He has 110 shots on goal, which is which is really good. But I, I feel like sometimes there are a lot of points in the season where those shot totals are kind of just all over the place, right? We see games from him where he has a lot of shots. We see games where he, you know, nothing happens per se, and it just doesn't go as planned. But a lot of times for Ovechkin, I mean, the more ice time he sees, the more shots he gets, which I think is key for him here, right? It's to give him as much ice time as possible, and it's to make sure that he plays on the power play a lot. I think I saw this video on Twitter, right, because Twitter is just a cesspool of videos, and it's just showing Ovechkin in his office not moving on the power play, and he's literally just standing there with a stick. <laughs> And he's just waiting. And they're like, the forward who's covering him is kind of just like watching. And people are like, you know, saying, well, why doesn't he move around? Why does he do? And I'm like, my first thought was, okay, but like, this guy's 700 goals in the NHL, a bunch of them on the power play. Like, just, just leave him be. He doesn't need to move. He doesn't need to do anything. He's maybe frustrated at this point because he says, hey, this, you know, the puck should be here. And granted, it probably should because he can score from there. But it's nice to see Ovechkin kind of picking up that pace a little bit more. Not that, again, not that his 14 goals are not great, but is it maybe he's getting a little bit older and it's really, really hard to keep up with those goals? 
Um, maybe a little bit. Uh, I think some of it's also just managing expectations in a short season being a big part of this too, right? I mean, he's under a point a game. I think that's not necessarily abnormal, right? 110 shots in 27 games. Uh, shooting 27% for the year. Which, which is still 12, pretty good. Sorry, right? sorry Again, 12.7%. Which is still not... Which is still not terrible for Ovechkin because he takes yeah. so many shots, right? He's the last two years he's been at fifteen percent, uh, thirteen. Bit, be- so he's a little bit below his career average, right? He's dead on his career average. Dead right on. Now. Okay. Yeah. I thought one point seven is his career average. He did, but basically he's fine. And I need to just hide him. Yeah, that, that's right. He, he's he's okay. Um, the volume's there. The more volume, obviously the it's just going to go in at some point in time. And if we do see him correct back to 15%, which is also very possible. I mean, he probably needs what another two, three, like another three game goal streak. And he'll be at 15 again. So um, we might even see him push over that and it deflate back down. Maybe a lot of this comes from the fact as well. Like Nicholas Backstrom has 12 goals this season. Yeah. So, Like, he's had years where he, like, he's, what, 20 goals scorer about, give or take here, 45, 50 assists, easy. Um, he's got 12 goals on 54 shots. So, he's, again, an, an, another player who doesn't take a lot of shots, but so far this season when he does shoot the puck, uh, they're going in the net. Because, I mean, Backstrom hasn't had more. He's, since the 27th of February, he's had one game with three or more shots. Yeah. So, I mean, he's... It is what it is for Nick Baxter, right? You're not expecting a ton of goals. He has paced out a little bit here, but that's kind of... Again, that's probably just regression happening here, coming back to the average, because, I, again, Nick's, Nick Backstrom isn't a goal scorer. Usually, you know, we, we've come accustomed to seeing him uh, feed the puck to Ovechkin in his office, and then that's how, you know, Backstrom finishes with 55-plus assists, and you know, always scoring 60, so. Yeah, I think I, um, the interesting thing about Nicholas Backstrom is that everyone, no one will ever remember probably that he is the second highest point getter in Capitals history. No. Because Which is a shame because we should, right? Right. It's just the, the shadow that looms here uh, past Ovechkin is, is sizable. Uh, for good reason. It probably also says something about the Capitals' history as a team. Um, as well, Backstrom's like, Backstrom's one of the greatest players to ever play for the Washington Capitals. Like, right. It's just there's not that long of a list of really great players that have played for the Washington Capitals. Also fair. So, um, yeah, just keeping those things in mind. Uh, and then Florida. Um, a little bit out of at least it feels like it's a little bit out of nowhere. Uh, I don't typically think of the Panthers as being a really high octane goal scoring team, uh, at least since they separated out uh, Barkov and Huberdo. So uh, I know Barkov's been really hot um, all the way around. Hard to hard to avoid that piece of it of things. Um, but yeah, it's uh, just. A little bit unexpected from from that perspective for me at least they're a like the florida panthers are a top team in their central division right so tampa bay is there that's fine tampa bay's got 48 points florida's got 44 
Carolina's got 43. The next closest team to them, the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Chicago Blackhawks, have 33 points. There is a 10-point difference between Carolina and Columbus. So that division is going to be absolutely lit for the last playoff spot. Okay, We can disregard Nashville here because Nashville gave up 89 shots in two games to four. Because they were on the slate right, for Sundays. I was breaking that down. And... I'm looking at Nashville and I'm going, man, that's that's what the, the Nashville Predators look terrible. They gave up 22 shots uh, in the first period Saturday to the Panthers. It, they just looked, they looked like they didn't care to play hockey. And again, they're missing a whole bunch of players, which is fine. UC Saros played both those games, right? He comes off injury reserve, right? Hey, welcome back to the team. Please stand on your head, by the way. Yeah. And he did pretty well, right? So he gave up. Of those, right, of those shots, right, again, 89 shots. He gave up two goals. He hit the save bonus on DraftKings twice. He actually hit value in the loss. Yeah. Right? Because he's got 48 saves. Again, uh, sorry, 47. Again, 35 is the bonus, right? You got to hit 35. He goes 12 above that, which is wild. Absolutely wild. Like, he was... He was above and beyond value getting the win uh, there. But, I mean, it's the Predators are not a very good team here. And, again, we don't think of the Florida Panthers as this great offensive team, but they have they have all the pieces they need to kind of make it happen. And this is a team that also just gave away Vincent Trocek. They're just like, hey, just go somewhere else, by the way. Thanks for coming here. And yeah. Again, these are players like, you know, Carter Verhage's having a really great season here. Anthony Duclair has been, you know, really good in his spot. Patrick Hornfist has come on. Like, you go, you know, he has that sandpaper that you like to talk about. Alexander Wenberg's been pretty good. But even their, you know, their bottom six is getting it done. Their defense is actually decent. Sergei Bobrovsky is not the biggest trash can I thought he was. There is a, like, there's a lot of things going on here um, that are making this this happen and is it fact is it fiction i don't know but for Uh, now it's working i think it's a little bit of both i mean mackenzie Weger has nine points in his last eight games yeah he's starting to do stuff um he he had a streak last year as well where he where he went where he kind of got hot uh started getting in on a lot of points and then he got hurt and it kind of fizzled out after that. Um, but I mean, just looking at the minutes. So over the last two weeks, Barkov has played 21 55 a night on average. He's the I mean, only he's... person on that team that is playing more minutes than him is Aaron Eckblad. Who's playing over 26 minutes a night. Yeah. Sweet mother, uh, can somebody please just let Aaron Eckblad have a few minutes off each night? 26.05 on average. Thomas Shabbat sitting there going, somebody better get this guy to rest. It's nice to see Aaron Eckblad, though, being, you know, one of the better defensemen in the NHL, too, right? Because he was, again, former first overall pick. Yep. You know, high touted player. He's, you know, he's. I guess you look at him more now as a good, you know, two-way defenseman. You you don't necessarily look at him with the offensive numbers that he should have, but 
he's he's been pretty good. And again, he's he's playing a lot. And I think that comes down to a little bit as well. I mean, uh, Keith Yandel's been relegated basically to the power play here. Um, I mean, Anton Stallman's getting older there. That's a third pairing that's kind of just there. You know, Radko Gunis yeah. is in the lineup. We're not looking at him to do very much either. This team is just like they're top pair. They're top pair heavy here. They need yep. their top pair to play a lot. And Aaron Eckblad is on the ice about half the game. Yeah. They're an interesting team as well heading into the deadline because they are, if they had won tonight, which they didn't, uh, they would have been in first place or tied for tied with Tampa for first yeah. place, which is wild because again they shed salary in the off season. Yeah, they've got money so. to spend. If they want to go out and get Philip Forsberg and they want to go get Matias Ekholm, they could add both those guys and have the room to do it. Oh my God, somebody saved Matias Ekholm. He was um, he was one shot away. This is my new thing that I like to look at on DraftKings. He was one shot away from hitting what I call the double bonus. So that's the shot block <laughs> bonus and the yeah. shots on goal bonus. Yeah. We, and, and if you hit both as a defenseman, I mean, you don't even need a point. You you already get value by doing absolutely nothing, right? Which is a stupid high floor to have as a defenseman, right? Like that's like that's, yeah, that's the like the cream of the crop there. That's what you're looking for out of your defenseman. Um, Victor Hedman territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's like that's what you want, right? You want your defenseman to be, which is by the way, that's become so Jacob Chikrin, I think I tweeted this. Like Jacob Chikrin is the new Brent Burns. Yeah. Right? Like like Brent Burns is people think Brent Burns is who he is, and that's indeed incorrect because Jacob Chikrin is that player now. He is that. He he will he he will shoot the puck a lot. He will block shots, he will collect goals, and he will rack up assists. He is a he he's a stat stuffer across the board. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I mean, FanDuel continues to have him priced below five thousand. So you can just play him there nonstop. But you don't get the bonuses, right? Which is what right. you're chasing. Uh DraftKings is a better job. He's usually in the six K range. But even that, like, think about it. If Think of Brett Burns in his prime when he was doing everything that he was doing and having to pay only like, I don't know, sixty two hundred dollars for him. Like he'd be like, Yeah, sure. I'd do it every night. Yeah, Yeah, no brainer here, right? Uh he had I mean, he he had a goal and an assist on Saturday against Anaheim. Uh only two shots and two blocks, but it doesn't matter because he got the points. Right? Right. The previous night, uh, the two nights before that though, again against Anaheim here. Uh, no points, but three shots on goal, six block shots. So he's he's getting there. The game I was referenced to was against Minnesota. Again, no points, but he gets the three block shots, which hits the bonus, and he finished with four shots on goal. So he's like he's teetering really close to that line where you hit the double bonus, and by doing that, even if you're seven k, like you you hit value just by blocking shots taking shots and hitting those two three-point bonuses. It's it's basically a goal. That's what you get out of it almost. Yeah. So, again, Jacob Chikrin, to me, is the new Brent Burns. He's not going to have the same amount of points, right? But he is shooting the puck a decent amount. He's got 82 shots on the season, which is really, really good. And let's not forget, he plays in Arizona, right? So a team that doesn't generate much offense to start with. But to me, like, he is... Like, he's the defense. When I see him on the slate, I'm like, this is who I'm going to – like, I go to my 
defense tab and I just put Jacob Chikorin in and then I just I worry about whoever else I got to fit in there. Yeah, Doesn't matter. From there. I start there and then, you know, whatever else happens happens. <laughs> yeah. Uh just looking at Florida's cap space the rest of the way. Deadline cap space. Fifth, almost 16 million dollars. They can add an entire other team. They could take they they could add all of the Buffalo Sabres yeah. for a small fee. They could go out this this could be really interesting, right? They could easily go add Taylor Hall, Philip Forsberg, Tia Cycle. They could just take on the entire trade market. Who do you guys who's out there? We'll take them all. Like, Taylor Hall might be an interesting, interesting conversation to have at that point for them. Well, right? I mean, if you want to be doomed, sure. Right? Like like Taylor Hall has not brought like since that uh, Hart trophy season has not been on has not helped teams win. I think he would definitely, though, be an upgrade to the top. Like, I think uh, if you play him with, you can play him with Barkov. Barkov, yeah. Yeah, Hague, you can play him with Barkov. You can move for Hagee over to the right side. Um, you know, Anthony Duclair, you move him where you want. I, I, think, I think that would help. Yeah. It out. Or if again, find a, a number two center that would really help them out. Probably down to three. Um, like, obviously, there's. There's just some take on, so just take on Eric Stahl while you're at it. There, boom, problem solved. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm pretty sure you'd get them for like uh, maybe a third round pick because you're you get Eric Stahl for nothing. Wait, you just take on all the salary and it's gonna be like, yeah, okay, we'll do that. And True. they're set up like they're a team that could be really interesting because of that. They've like their salary commitment goes down next year. They've got Barkov signed at 5.9 for this year and next. They've got Huberto signed at 5.9 for the next for this year, plus two more. Those are some very team-friendly deals right there. Even if you look at like even and this is considering they've got all that cap space and they're paying Bobrovsky 10 million bucks. <laughs> right. Sorry. They yes. Right. <laughs> you forgot about Bobrovsky and his big 10 mil there. You're because right. like their forward units, like they're all 12 forwards are making $31 million. Yeah, they have a lot of value there. Versus like... <laughs> so... But yeah. they've done well. Give them credit where credit is due, right? They moved out some contracts that they didn't want. And then, I mean, Verhage's been really good. Like I said, they brought in Duclair. It cost them nothing. Yep, He's been pretty good. They brought in Patrick Horvitz. Same thing. Doesn't cost them much. $5.3 million for three years. Uh, you bring in Rod... Radko Gudis, it's not the sexiest name, but two and a half million dollars. He's a like they they got grittier, and that's why they're better. They're they're not the team that they were last year, which was going to be much more fun to watch. They were up and down the ice, but they're. I think the Panthers are going to be a team that's going to you know potentially make some noise in the playoffs, especially if the goaltending is still it holds up. I'm really tired of Florida teams being really good at hockey. Like, I'm just, I'm a little over that now. <laughs> well, you know, we can only dream sometimes. The two, uh, like the two top, the two top teams in that division are from Florida. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. So, I mean, it is what it is, I suppose. Um, and then taking a look at the teams that gave up the most goals. So, uh, keep in mind, this is over the last two weeks. This isn't just over the last seven days. The Philadelphia Flyers, number one, 
4.88 goals per game over two weeks. Anaheim, Chicago, Buffalo, and Ottawa. And I, and I note Ottawa at five, they gave up more than a full goal per game less than Philadelphia in that same period of time. What is going like? I know I've seen lots of different things about the Flyers. It's not all Carter Hart. Uh, the defense is bad there. Um, giving up a lot of high danger scoring chances. Is there any hope for the Flyers at this point? Or is this just like stick a fork in and it's done? I mean, I, I might as well take the L here on Carter Hart uh, this season, right? I was really, really high on him coming into the season, uh, fantasy hockey-wise. So that hasn't worked out. And I guess I can double take an L here because I was really high on the Philadelphia Flyers. I thought they had the best top nine in the NHL easily. And they still do, by the way. They still do. Um, but for whatever reason, it's just not working. It's like they're like at some time at some point, you know, Brian Elliott was okay. He was coming in and he was doing what he's doing. It's fallen apart here in the last two weeks. They got like they got obliterated against the Rangers. Obliterated. It wasn't even close. And you know, and that was a Rangers team that didn't have a coaching staff. They had to pull yeah, up yeah, the because, staff because of COVID. Yeah, you know, COVID. So these players just ran out and were like, yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. We'll just go out there. I mean, you put up six goals in a second period. They just, they smashed them. They smashed them. And then, you know, they go out, they play against the Islanders, right? The next night, they lose. And you're like, all right, well, you know, it's a 4-3 game. It's close. You know, they only gave up 25 shots. Hart was all right. Perfect. Next game, two nights later, boom, they lose 6-1 to the Islanders. And this time, Carter Hart stuck in the net like Vino didn't take him out so you know what figure it out kid like play through some tough yeah. hockey here you know kind of get it through and he he played better in the second period right he didn't give up six goals so there's a win but <laughs> I mean he's he it, it, it's just not working for the Philadelphia Flyers and like you said their I mean their defense is supposed to be decent right it's supposed to be and is it the fact that Niskanen retired that this defense all of a sudden doesn't know how what to do anymore like it, it doesn't make sense to me why they're this bad right Sean Couture is hurt which is fine but let's put him in the lineup for a minute okay I'll leave Couture in the middle and I don't care who the wingers are and it doesn't matter right you can put Lindbaum on one side connecting on the other it's fine uh right you got Lawton you got Hayes you got Borachek those are pretty good players you know James Van Reeves like then I'll put Giroux Giroux. in the middle yeah. yeah Claude Giroux Joel Farby this is a really deep top nine how are you not able to play defense or how are you not able to generate offense? Like this is like, and I'll give them a pass here on the offense. They score goals every once in a while, right? They can put up their four, you know, three to five goals in a game. That's fine. But they're, this team cannot keep the puck out of their net. They are worse than the Buffalo Sabres. And that is a really hard task to do. Okay. They've played the same amount of games as Buffalo. And they've given up four more goals than the Sabres. And the Sabres have nobody. Like This is a team that, like, they are, I'm convinced an AHL team would beat the Buffalo Sabres today. Convinced. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, 100%. With the lineup that they have, 100%. I mean, I, I think the defense as a unit, uh, where they really can run into issues is that they are really, really young. Like, Provorov's 24, Sandheim's 24, uh, Philip sure, Myers is probably but, in that same still, age range. 
Sure, but the, 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 they're two, right? So let's let's look at the defense, though, in that sense, okay? There's two of those defensemen on the ice, okay? And even if they're young, that's fine, okay? Claude Giroux is not young. He's one of the yeah. better, I guess, he's played center, he's played the wing, he's done everything. Sean Couturier keeps being mentioned uh, for that cool little trophy there that we give forwards to get a whole bunch of goals that are really good defensively as well, the, the Patrice Bergeron Award. I hear it's given out to other players as well. I think it's called a Selkie. Uh, Kevin Hayes is part of this team as well. Really good forward, right? He's yeah. he's a good two-way forward. You know, Jacob Borchek as well, veteran player, can figure it out. There's This is not a crazy young offense where they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, you got your Lindblom's and your Konechny's and your Farabee's, fine. Nolan Patrick... All of that is okay. And Morgan Frost would probably be part of his team, but he can't stay healthy. So, again, you have your your core, your top nine. I still think this is the best top nine in hockey. I will die on that hill. And, like, my Warzone skills, it's a, it's, it's a quick death. <laughs> that I understand. But there's too much skill here, too much, for them to be this bad. Like, Buffalo, fuck. Right? The Buffalo Sabres are what they are. But this is not a team that is in a process of rebuild. This is a team that I legitimately thought could probably win this division. Win it. And, I mean, their goaltending is just, it's its not helping. And, sure, if it's, I mean, high danger scoring chances, you're going to score on them, right? That's why they're high danger. Right. There, there's a good chance they go win, right? If you throw the fastball down the middle, you know, you're going to get burned every once in a while. More often than not sometimes. And for Carter Hart right now, he just, he, he can't stop anything. Oh, can't yeah. stop it. I mean, I eight seventy-five save percentage. Not he can't. Minus, I would. I I might score on him. Minus seventeen point six goals saved above average. Yeah, yeah. He 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 can't stop anything. He he can't stop nothing. I would probably give him a couple of days off the ice. Say, hey, look, kid, sit down somewhere and just take it. Yeah, he, and that- he he hasn't done it. He he does not. His he has not hit nine hundred save percentage this month yeah he hasn't done even in the games that he wins right yeah he doesn't face a ton of shots and he still gives up three to four goals right yeah so the last time he played well i.e on the 20th of february he played buffalo in a three nothing win so again let's discredit the buffalo sabers because it was the buffalo sabers even the last time he played buffalo he gave up three he he gave up three goals on eight shots that was it that was the end of his night Right? But like this is a consistent problem for both goalies, right? Like Brian yeah. Elliott, last time he had a nine over a nine hundred save percentage against Buffalo. Time before that, Buffalo. Like I'm he not looking had a, for Brian Elliott to be elite. Right. I'm just speaking for he Brian does, Elliott yeah. to just have a heartbeat every yeah, once in a while. Water. Yeah, every once in a while, come in and you know do stuff. But That's like, it. But when he's become like. Well, we really need something from Brian Elliott. It's like, well, he's, he's played too um, many games, right? Yeah, uh, in he's March. played fourteen he's, games. He's he, and specifically in March, he's played a lot of hockey as well. Which is, I mean, that's not something you want. You, you don't want a timeshare with with Carter Hart and Brian Elliott. Brian Elliott comes in to be the backup. Carter Hart sees a majority of the starts, and when that's not happening, well, now you got to play. Elliot a lot more, and that's where you get into different complications. Again, yeah. you to me, it would just be to give Carter Hart a little bit of time. Say, hey, like take a day off, man. I don't know, do something, play Fortnite, like just 
like just like take your mind off hockey for a little bit here because again he can't he he can't stop anything he can't stop anything even against the islanders no offense to the islanders i know they're a good team they're not a juggernaut offense they scored 10 goals in two games it's not normal they don't they're they don't have Anders Lee in the lineup. They're, you know, Casey Sezikis was popping goals and stuff. I was like, like, what? Trying to, like, I had a couple of, I had Barzell in the breakdown uh, playbook on Saturday. Yeah. And I was trying to find somebody to play with him. And then Kiefer Bellows was a late scratch. So that ended that idea. And I wasn't going to pay for the bottom four, uh, for the bottom six. And then Jean Gabriel Pajot. In case he says he could start going, start scoring goals, and I go, oh, okay, fine. Like that's the type of night it's going to be for the for for the Islanders. The, the Islanders get contributions from everybody in the lineup, which makes them a really hard team to stop. Because good luck trying to figure out who's going to score a goal there. But for Carter Hart, man, just I don't know. Something's got to give here because he was really good last season, and now he he like he can't stop a beach ball. There's nothing he can do. And his team's not helping him at all. And the loss of Couturier doesn't help this team anymore. And, again, too many good players on one team to be this bad. Too many. Yeah, I mean, at this point, they got to at least try to be fun, if nothing else. Like, you know you're giving up the goals. So Be the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. There you go, right? Score a lot of goals. Give up a bunch. Fun hockey, right? So you I can mean, be dull hockey like the New Jersey Devils, or yeah. you can be fun. Yeah, Pick and they goal. got the talent to be fun. So they just they most definitely do. So uh I mean schedule this week they got they got the Islanders and the Devils back to back. They get the two at home. I mean, these are all at home, two against the Rangers. They get to go to Buffalo for two games after that. Um, but I, mean, I don't even feel comfortable playing him against Buffalo. Oh, and that says a lot. I mean, if there's going to be a time you're going to play a goalie against Buffalo, that's your like that's the time. It's the only Didn't team Buffalo that they could go stop. on like an 11 game losing streak and they broke it against <laughs> Philadelphia, maybe. But like, the, the rest of the way, it's ugly, right? Like a lot of games against the Islanders, they still got a lot of game against this. The Bruins, they still got to play like the Capitals. They still got a game against the Penguins. We're going to see the Rangers for a few more games. Like this isn't like, oh yeah, it'll be fine. We've got a we've got a bunch of games against the Devils and and the Sabers. It's like, oh, we got to play like Washington four times. We got to play Pittsburgh three times. We got three left against the Bruins. We've got like another four or five games against the Islanders. Like. It's if they don't figure things out, it's going to be a really ugly rest of the way for them. My correction there: Buffalo has not won yet <laughs> in the month of March. They they got off to a quick start and still managed to lose that game. So yeah, shout out to the Buffalo Sabers who continue to be the the worst. They they did what in their last ten? They lost one in overtime, so it doesn't count. The NHL doesn't count as like a full loss streak but in their last 10 they're oh nine and one yeah well that's that's life in buffalo right uh they have six wins three continues season. six and six. 29 games yikes that's 
that's saying a lot. And then Anaheim, who's second on that list, right? I mean, they have nine. Yeah. And Anaheim doesn't have John Gibson. <laughs> and me, I was like, hey, even against Arizona, I was like, hey, maybe Ryan Miller is a decent option, right? It's the Arizona Coyotes, you know? Yeah. He was like 6700 bucks. I was like, okay, maybe. You know what? Goalies are voodoo. Who knows? No, got lit up. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed the goalie pick today. Just pick someone who's not playing. Pick someone Honestly, who's not I playing. thought about it. I looked at the goalie slate, and I was like, I don't need this kind of negativity in my life. Like, play a goalie who doesn't start. It doesn't make a difference at this point. I have not had luck with goalies, right? I was hesitant on Jake Oninger. I was like, you know... Like, he, he, he's good, but he might give up some goals here, right? Because Dallas is just a team he can't get behind. I wasn't playing Sergei Bobrovsky. Ain't no way, because I knew what was yeah. going to happen. There. People were like, no, 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 he's fine. Yeah, okay. And then, you know, Tampa Bay, you know, Curtis McElhinney was in goal. He tends to get lit up sometimes. He was all right, which is fine. Uh, Fleury lost today. That was unfortunate. I was stacking heavy uh, Vegas as well, so that didn't work out. So I was not playing Cal Patterson. Um, so yeah, I probably would have started a goalie who I thought wasn't going to play at all. So get the min price goalie or get his backup. So when he comes in, you know, hopefully somewhere in the second or third period, he can get I don't know five <laughs> six saves, and uh, you know, you're perfectly fine. That's how my that's how my goalie picking. Have gone so far. Uh, at, at this point in the season, that's where I'm at. Just you know, I think, considering not playing one. To be fair, though, I do give the idea of not playing an actual goalie some credence, right? On a on a sh- small slate. How many times just... have we seen a GPP lineup at the top of the leaderboard, and the goalie has has either not played or like, it was a late scratch or something. And the lineup does well. Maybe it doesn't win a GP. Uh, that's almost impossible. But at least does well yeah. with make double money. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I've seen it. It's rare that it happens. But I think it's... I think a lot of people dismiss the idea. And it's like, people are playing a bad goalie and going, I hope this works out. Instead of, like, sometimes just taking the zero and, more importantly, taking the extra money. Yeah. Especially right. on a short slate, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you like, don't know you don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah, like you had three games, you knew like of those three games, it was like, all right, you know what? I think Dallas wins this game, but like if it's if they give up honestly, like if Nash if uh if not if Nashville scores again, right? That could be a complete wash. You might as well have just kept the money, right? Well, Anton Hudobin got the start here, so there's my shock of the evening. Uh, he's given up two goals on 18 on uh, 18 right. shots, so he's that's, that's not worth price of admission. Uh, Pecorine is all right, but, I, you know, he's, again, he's not breaking the bank here. It wouldn't have cost you much anyways on drafting, so that's fine. But that's he's already um, given up three goals on probably not a ton of shots. Twenty-five shots, which is about what it was, right? I mean, Flurry was decent, but he took an L, so that doesn't work out. And again, I was heavy stacking against LA. And Cal Pedersen decided to stop 41 shots. So I mean, shout out to him. He stopped right. the puck. He did it. I mean, job. I think if you, knew, if you knew Patch Ready was at it probably changes that a bit. Uh and then like as you noted, Bobrovsky was bad. He gave up 
five goals on Shock. yeah on that make 19 saves gives up five goals McElhaney makes 29 saves still not fantastic he gets the win out of it like that one works out but right but you saw you saw basically you saw Nash like Florida pepper Nashville they just didn't score yeah. because yeah. Saros stood on his head so I've so, so now you're watching the Florida Panthers absolutely dominate their opponent, and yeah, you're not going to like I'm I'm not going to play Curtis McElhinney who gets no lit up by other teams. I'm like, well, this is probably not like this is that's not how I want to live my life this right. early on a Sunday. Like that's 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 not where I want my day to go. You know, like when I'm putting this together, sometimes I'm looking at how I want to break it down, and I'm like, man, I no no I'm I'm not doing this. Like we're not going down this route here, not at this hour. So that there were no there were no goalie options that I enjoyed. None. There was but, not one that I yeah. looked at and I said, "Man, that's it." I'll I'll also so looking at Wednesday. Okay, it's a four game slate because there's two five five. There's a five o'clock game and a five thirty game. So yeah, Edmonton and Montreal. I don't want to touch a goalie there. I mean that's fair. Uh, Sabers and Penguins. Uh, I think you're going to see Mega Chuck on Pittsburgh there, uh, whether it be DeSmith or or Jari. Uh, Jets and Canucks. Uh, I, I don't mind going to Demko because he sees tons of shots. So, like, the volume's there. Uh, he was somebody who worked out for me as well this week who I think he saw f- made 38 saves. He's seen, uh, f- just for the sake of noting this, he has seen a hundred more shots than Andre Vasilevsky has this year in the same wild. amount of games. Wild. hundred more saves. That's- it's nice that the Vancouver Canucks have finally figured out that Thatcher Demko is a, you know, is their actual number one goalie and that they yeah. just funnel <laughs> some money to a backup goalie. They're basically paying their backup goalie like $5 million. Yeah. Which is nice, right? Because, yeah. I mean, everybody when they saw this signing was going, but why? Right, like Demko had a really Absolutely. good yeah. short playoff series, which is fine. Nobody was expecting him to, you know, turn that around. He had a tough start to the season, but the you know the Canucks in general had a tough start to the season. And over the course of the last few weeks, I mean, Demko's been head over heels a lot better than Braden Holtby. Like yeah. not even close. And not even close. And I don't know if you followed his pricing, but he has been dirt cheap. Like he has. There's. Friday night, he was 6,900 on DK. 6,900. Like, what? Did you guys not look at the numbers? Like, I, I know that it's like, oh, the Canucks probably won't win this game. But he they won the game, and he stopped a ton of shots. And he was also really chalky because he was so cheap. Um, And then you have the Kings and the Sharks. And I don't know. Like, you good luck. Uh, like you could pass that one, so it's like, I think you're playing Jets Canucks. You're picking a goalie here, uh, whether it be Demko, whether it be Hellebuck, or you're just gonna probably go to the chalk on on Jari. I, I'm assuming, and say, well, we'll live by the live by the chalk, die by the chalk, and say, like, look, Mike, if think somebody's if, gonna play Devin Dubnik if he starts against the no Kings, way. no way. I don't know, man. I hear he's okay. Somebody tried to tweet me and say, hey, Devin Dubnik's worked out. I played him once in GPP, and it worked out because he's cheap. And I'm like, okay. 
the yeah. broken clocks are right twice a day, bud. So you're still missing one more right time with him. When you get to that point, please let me know. But no, no, okay. I, I just wanted to that's make sure. That's bad process. That's just really bad process. Like you can't just like you can't just take the lowest guy on the slate. Like, well, uh, he's gonna face a lot of shots, so he's got the most upside. I understand well, the theory kind of. of yeah, but, but I understand the theory of not of paying like paying down at the goalie position, yeah, right? In sure. a GPP, that's fine. Hundred percent. GPP goalies are first of all, we've already established this. Every time I write the core plays, right, the the, the, the DFS yeah. play core plays, goalies are voodoo. Just I, I I do it for me, honestly. I do it for me just to remind myself. Everybody else probably knows this, but I do it to remind myself. Goalies are voodoo, right? We have no idea what they're gonna do. We have no idea when they're going to be good and when they're going to be garbage. Yeah. We we have a trend to it sometimes. But look, yeah, I mean, he played well against, you know, Vegas, right? I'm assuming that's the start that this person was referencing to because he got lit off the other right. two. But, right, he played well against Vegas. He, he was one shy short of, one save short of hitting the save bonus, right? He didn't even pick up the win there. And... He was really good against Anaheim. And again, you know, very nice. He played Anaheim and it went well. Okay. It happens. Every team almost plays well against Anaheim now. But it's not one of those things that, like, I'm not looking at, first of all, I'm not looking at the Sharks and looking at their goalies and going, hey, this is a good deal, right? Or I think the most recent one, I, I guess it would be the conversation that some people try to have with me of like, oh, Martin Jones is okay. All right, well, he beat Anaheim. Congratulations, Martin Jones, right? Because he also played well, and he was dirt cheap. And then he had a strong start against St. Louis, right? 2-1 game, close. Again, huge saves. But I'm not, like, like, everybody knows how I feel about Martin Jones. We don't need to go down this route again here. But you're going to... Everybody's looking for that value goalie. And it's hard to pay up at the goaltending position because if your goalie isn't dead dead elite, you're probably not going to hit value. So it's easier to pick cheaper goalies in good situations. I think the most recent one was what? Merzlikens? I think that's yeah. the one that this person was referencing to me. Yeah. And I was like, okay, it worked out against Carolina. Fine. It worked out, but it, you but like, know, and yeah, that's a bad bet. Like, that's like playing goalies against Carolina, especially ones that have been really up and down, isn't where you should put your money. It's probably not, in my it, opinion. Look, it paid off high risk, high reward, right? Yeah. It's kind of one of those things. You say, okay, well, it paid off, right? And if you get the rest of your lineup right, then yeah, you probably had a good night. Yeah. But like you said, I mean, it's it's neither here nor there for me. I don't traditionally like to pay up for goalies. But I also, I, I won't pay down for a bad one, right? Like, I, I won't do that. And it's the same thing in any sport, really, right? So football with quarterbacks, right? You can have a bad quarterback against a bad defense, but that doesn't make him a great play. And right. the same thing in baseball, right? You can have mediocre pitchers or really bad ones against bad offenses. That still doesn't make it work. You're going to get it right every once in a while. It's going to happen. But yeah. that's the beauty of building GPP lineups. Everything works. Everything works. It does like everything works because there's right. You actually have to play the game and it has to happen. And, you know, nothing is 100 percent on as it is on paper. Right. On paper, we look at it and we say, oh, well, this should be a blowout. And then, oh, you know, 
Yeah. Cal like Pedersen stands on his head and he's got 41 saves. You're like, oh, okay. Right. Well, that that wasn't in the game notes here. I missed that part. You know, had I known, but, I would have laid off Vegas here. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, what I do is I take the cheapest. Like, I look at the goalies and I take the guy who's the cheapest with the best matchup and say, I think this is the one. Right. right? Unless it's, and if it's a cash game, it's all, if Vasilevsky's in that slate, you're taking Vasilevsky and... Even he's not perfect, but he's one eleven straight, and it's as close you're going to get to a sure thing. And most um, nights, he's one of the most expensive goalies on yeah, the slate, correct? He, just about every night. And in cash games, you just have to eat it and say, well, I'm paying up for this, and I know it's certain. And if it's chalky, then so be it, because if I'm in this boat with 40% of you and we all finish on the right side, that's good enough in a 55th when you only needed to finish in the top half. In a GPP, it doesn't get it done because he's probably like you need the shutout, you need the volume. You need just, the volume, which is what I like to target with GPP goals. I'm right. looking for volume. I need I know you may give up some goals, right? But I need you to stop at least 35 pucks. Right. So right. I don't take goalies who play Detroit because Detroit doesn't generate any offense or against Anaheim or against all these, I'm looking at goalies. I'm saying, man, like I'll stack goalies against the Montreal Canadiens because Montreal Canadiens will shoot the puck a bunch and not score. Now, yeah. sometimes they do score, but genuinely, you know, you can go with like a, which one? I think that Thatcher Demko saw about 30 shots, which is still pretty low. But I think Braden Holpe got the last star a couple nights ago, and he was, you know, he was all right. He was all right to a certain extent. See a GPP goalie? I don't know. He gave up four goals, right? Because Montreal yeah. Canadiens finally won a game after 60 minutes here. They finally <laughs> figured it out. But he had 36 saves. So at the end of the day, if you look at the money that you spent, what he did, I mean, fine. Yeah. I I got I have trust issues that way. Like I, I, I typically play like the same goalies all the time. Because I'm looking at it and it's like, there's goalies that I have, uh, I either have no trust in goalies or I have a small amount. And it's like, I just play those guys with small amounts and go, well, I think they can get this done. And uh, when you're hot, you, you do well with it. And when you're not, they're, they're, they're missing and they're letting up, the, you know, three, four goals and making 22 saves. And you're looking at it going, you know, if you could adjust. I also think it's a value. Part, right yeah like how sure. what what am i gonna do right so it's not just one-sided right playing a cheap goalie and hoping he hits what are you doing with the rest of that money right which is the case right for sure. are you really upgrading somewhere else right so right. take for example on like right saturday slate if you're paying up for mcdavid and matthews right let's say you want to go down that right saying hey i'm gonna eat that shock and like i'm gonna shove it down my throat that's how much i want i'm gonna wash it down with an extra cup of bleach like, if you want to go down that route, then you're going to need to, you know, find a lot of bargain plays everywhere else. And your goalie might have to be one of them. But if that's right, if if, if you're looking at a GPP side saying, OK, well, if I play, you know, again, in this example, Braden Holpe, and this allows me to pay up for Austin Matthews. Maybe you say, OK, well, I'll do this yeah. for this lineup. I I'll guess. do it. I, the other part of it, though, is like, I just don't want to take like, I don't want to be in the negatives. I don't want to take the zero. So that's in some cases where it's like, you know what? The volume's great. And if I want to try to hit a home run, and I think this is somewhat of the thing that people forget 
is they think like, well, in a GPP, I got to hit, I got to hit like, you know, nine home runs, no. right? Everybody's got to hit if I'm going to win. And that's not the case, right? Sometimes you just got to not lose. So like the one I finished second on on Friday, I played Demko. He was 6,900. I played Noah Hannafin, who was 2,800. I played Jaden Swartz, who was 2,500. But I got like O'Reilly, who was 6,000. I got Ryan Strom, who's 5,300. I had Patch is 8,500. Tarasenko at 54. Panarin at 77. And Quinn Hughes at 48, right? Like, Patch gets, like, it's a low score night. Like, 119 is not, uh, DK is not typically going to get you into second place. It's not like, but like, that score was finished in top 25 up and down the board. Um, but you hit on Panarin, you hit on Pacioretty, you like, you had opportunity cost. You like, I had three players going against the Sharks. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. If I, if I'm going to pay up, that's, that's where I want to spend my money because those are, that's prime real estate. So yeah, I mean, like Demco works out, knew he was going to see the, the volume, but I also have some trust in Demco, right? He's played really well. He's beat oh, he's good teams. And at 6,900, you look at that and go, yeah, we'll take that one. We're going to really take that one in GPP. I would probably have taken that in cash and said, like, yeah, all right, I'll play that in a cash game. I don't think there's a huge amount of risk here. So Damco has eight wins in March. Yeah. Eight wins in March. He lost only one time, and that was to the Montreal Canadiens when he gave up five. And by the way... He still had 40 saves. <laughs> yeah, he easily is returning your value just every night. No way he's not. Right. He's just got win alone. He's got 12 wins on the season, right? Eight of them have come in March, by the way. Yeah. His save percentage is 921, which in my mind in the modern NHL, or at least like the last couple of years, that's elite. Right? It is. 925, elite. you used to look at it and be like, eh, yeah, yeah, goalie should be there. Now it's like elite. If you're going to hit close to 925, you're an elite goalie in the NHL. Goals against average, I'm not too worried about because, you know, if you're facing 45 shots and you give up four goals, I mean, you're still stopping a lot of pucks there. That That's a team problem more than a goalie problem. That's how I look at it here. He's he's regularly finishing with a save percentage above 950. So he's stopping everything that's popping in his way here. Everything that's popping. So he's finished with a save percentage below 950 three times in March, okay? And one of them was 9.49. The other was 9.35. So he's 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 done his work, right? I think we could have told the Canucks front office that signing Braden Holt, it was not their best idea, but they probably don't listen to us. So, and that's <laughs> they should have yeah, in certain cases. But yeah, if that, if Thatcher Demko is a situation where a little bit of what like people like to look at, let's say with John Gibson, right? Good goalie, bad team. And sometimes it works. Sometimes, sometimes it works. We've used it in the past, right? Where it's worked out pretty well. And as of late, it it has not. So maybe that's the case with Thatcher Demko. When you say, hey, maybe he's just, you know, a really good goalie. The, the Canucks have gone on a tear here, by the way, right? Like he's yeah. won eight games, which means the Canucks have eight wins. And they are like, they're starting to make, they're starting to at least make it competitive in that crazy north division here right they're starting they're at least knocking on the door right they, they've played a lot of games so uh right montreal has four yeah. games in hand calgary has three games in hand they've played a lot of hockey they've given up a boatload of goals but 
they've played better. They played seven, two, and one in their last ten. So at least they're trying to stick around. So good on them and good on Thatcher Demko. Yeah. Played as well as anybody in, in the North Division. So. Tough division to do it in as well. All right. We better get out of here. Uh, we are nearing the hour and a half mark. So um, I'm officially feeling the hook. All right. Um, so, yeah, busy week. Uh, as always, you can find us in the chat. And have a great week, everybody.